Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Good morning and welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Coming to you this Thursday morning, January 2nd, and Jason Garrett is still the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I know many folks are wondering what the heck is going on because Jason Garrett and Jason uh, Jerry Jones are meeting yet again <laughs> to discuss his future with the Cowboys. And this is the third meeting this week. I sum it up in this way to folks. Jason Garrett has been the head coach of the Cowboys for nine years. Should have been fired at least five years ago. Jerry Jones, for all intents and purposes, loves Jason Garrett on a personal level. So, in essence, you can consider this a breakup. So, you had the meeting Monday. You had the meeting Tuesday on New Year's Eve. Obviously, with the holiday, they took a break. Literally, you could consider the second meeting breakup sex. It's not officially the breakup, but it's the <laughs> it's the collection of realizing that the relationship is over, but you're still trying to see if you can make it work. But this is the breakup sex with the girl before the actual breakup happens. You still think you could try to salvage something, but no, it's done. It's absolutely done. There is no chance that Jason Garrett, after this meeting today, is walking out of there even getting any sense that he's getting a contract extension. His contract is run out, so technically, the Cowboys... Realistically, yeah, could they announce a firing uh, with his contract expiring January 14th? They could, but knowing Jerry Jones and how he operates with his people, he'll probably give Jason more courtesy than I think he's owed at this point, considering the fact that Jason Garrett took a team that had top 10 players at multiple levels at different, like, on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. And took them to an 8-8 eight and eight record in the worst division in football. With four games. Four games that were layups between Washington and my New York Giants. Who I will get to later on in the show with Dave Gettleman. Dear, dear Lord, what a, what a press conference. What a press conference that was from the Giants yesterday. But regarding the Cowboys, this season was a make-or-break year for Jason Garrett. He needed to win a playoff game and at least get to the NFC title game to salvage his job, given the amount of talent he had. He still had Dak Prescott his quarterback on a rookie deal. It was never going to be easier for the Cowboys to make a Super Bowl run than this year because everything was aligned from a scheduling standpoint 
It was one of the weakest schedules in the entire league. From a division standpoint, the Eagles were a mess this year, ravaged by injuries. On top of the fact that, A, they still seem to have no idea what offense that they're running since Frank Reich became the head coach of the Colts uh, at the beginning of last season. The Eagles offense is still another disaster, along with their secondary. And as I said, the less said about the Giants and Washington, the better. The Cowboys had no excuses about the season this year, and yet still found ways to lose to the Jets of all teams. And (laughs) numerous opportunities to correct a sinking ship and failed to do so. There is nothing about this Cowboys season that should warrant any consideration for Jason Garrett being a head coach at any level in the NFL for at least the next three years. There none. None whatsoever. His overall career record, while still above 500, the lack of playoff appearances year after year with abundance of talent because Jerry Jones went out of his way to stock the Cowboys with talent. Then they did a complete rebuild without Tony Romo and still did a masterful job of it. I have to give Jerry Jones, the GM, a lot of credit for as much grief as Cowboys fans want to give Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones, by and large, the worst grade I can give him is a B. Realistically, for even with the amount of meddling he does, you should be able to win with Jerry Jones, even if he w- does want to talk to the team every other uh, instance. Because a head coach with actual stage presence would be able to command respect from his players. Jason Garrett does none of those things. The Cowboys repeatedly, I mean, and DeMarcus Lawrence said it as much, is that they're a team that lacks direction. When your own players shoot inside the tent like that, that means that they're not listening to the coach. So again, the only reason why Jason Garrett hasn't been fired is because Jerry Jones loves Jason Garrett probably too much for his own good. Realistically speaking, Jerry Jones needs to separate the emotion out of the equation and look at the data. Because the data shows that Jason Garrett has well underperformed what an average head coach should have been able to do with the roster Dallas has had for the last four years. There really isn't an excuse for the lack of performance out of the Cowboys. And even with the gift of a win they got in the playoffs last year against Seattle, who basically ran themselves out of the game because uh, Seattle should have beaten Dallas last year. Dallas did not have a good game in the playoffs last year. They actually played better in their loss to the Rams than they did in their win over Seattle. But... You know, it's just one of those things where, you know, there's only so much you can do before you have to pull the plug. And that time should have been a couple of years ago. But now Jerry Jones is painfully aware of how much his dedication to Jason Garrett has cost him in terms of 
viability moving forward because it's going to be a harder road for the Cowboys to make it to the Super Bowl than it has been in the past three years alone because all the contracts are coming up. Amari Cooper is subject to uh, getting a contract extension or having to uh, hit the franchise tag. Dak Prescott wants 35 to $38 million a year minimum. If you look at Dak Prescott's stats and Cowboys fans are quick to jump on Dak Prescott, they will tell you that he dominates weaker teams, but when he's faced against actual playoff competition, Dak struggles mightily. Based on the numbers, in the nine games Dak played against non-playoff teams, he threw for 22 touchdowns, three interceptions, with a quarterback rating of 112.6. In the seven games against actual teams in the playoffs this year, his record is one and six, eight touchdown passes, eight interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 84.7. And then the one win against a playoff team, it shouldn't even count because the win was against the Eagles. Beating the Eagles should not count because the Eagles shouldn't even be in the playoffs this year. That's how bad the NFC East was. No team. In the NFC East should be in the playoffs, but by rule, the NFL has to have a a playoff team from each division. It's really what it came down to. You know, from time to time, there's always that one terrible division, and shockingly, it's been decades since the NFC East was this bad. But here, here we are with the NFC East being the worst division in football because you got both the Giants and Washington can't get out of their own way because I would say they were both tanking, but when you have incompetence running that high in both your franchises, it's not even tanking. It's just what happens when you have people who shouldn't be running football operations running football operations. And then you have the Eagles and the Cowboys shooting themselves in the foot constantly. You know, there's nothing worse than having a division where the teams that should be able to dominate can't do it because they they have absolutely no continuity. The Eagles, from their lack of uh, semblance of being able to call plays, because, again, it's clearly obvious that Frank Reich was the brains behind the operation, not Doug Peterson. And with the Cowboys, Jason Garrett not being an actual head coach, despite the fact that his assistants did all the heavy lifting, still could not execute a functioning game plan week after week, and a first-time offensive play caller in Kellen Moore struggling to make second-half adjustments was the linchpin of many of the failures of the Cowboys throughout the season, is their inability to adjust in the second half. So, the Cowboys got a lot of issues. Amari Cooper disappearing for vast stretches of the season. Zeke Elliott not getting the ball for vast stretches of games where everyone's wondering why Zeke can't get the ball. If if it was a case of Zeke not getting the ball because Tony Pollard was running well, that'd be one thing. But even Tony Pollard was underused. The Cowboys have so much talent. And still, one of the top five best offensive lines in the game. Even with the injuries this year, and some guys just not playing up to their potential, uh, looking at Zach Martin, like, did not have a Zach Martin-type year, 
Guess what? Cowboys offensive line, still top five in the league. There is no excuse for the Cowboys not to be leading the NFL in rushing this year. That, that's It's mind-boggling. As much as people talk about the Ravens and their ability to run the football and breaking records for running the football, the Cowboys should just as easily be able to do that. The reason why the Cowboys weren't doing that with Dak and uh, Zeke, because they both are athletic enough to be a dominant rushing attack. I I still think the Cowboys have better potential of being a more dominant running team uh, than the Ravens. People, people will probably look at me like I'm crazy. But when you have that much talent on the offensive line and you have guys that are capable of breaking runs the way Dak and Zeke are, the Cowboys should be a dominant rushing attack. Like, how the Cowboys find themselves on the outside looking in on the playoffs is one of the biggest reasons why. It's, you know, you could say that, oh, well, it's a th- passing league. No, it's a specialist league. You have to be able to use your specialists. A lot of teams want to throw the, a ball around. A lot of teams aren't very good at throwing the football around. You have to use the talent that you have around you and be able to specialize in certain things. The Cowboys try to be great at everything. They're really great at running the football. Stick to it. Instead, they try to turn into this big play, deep play action pass. We're going to throw the ball 35, 40 times a game if need be and make Dak completely dangerous inside the pocket. That's not necessarily what Dak's great at. He can be good in the pocket. But why force something that you don't have to? But hey, as a Giants fan, I enjoy seeing the Cowboys struggle and shoot themselves in their own foot because Cowboys winning Super Bowls is one of the most obnoxious things that can ever happen to the NFL. As much as people complain about the Pats and their fan base, Cowboys fans still worse than Pats fans. All right, so... Now we got that out of the way, let's talk about some of these upcoming playoff matchups, and I'll I'll touch a little bit on the Giants before we sign off. So, we've got the playoff matchups set, and in the early window, we have the annual showing of the Houston Texans, because nobody wants to watch the Texans play football at all, which is a shame, because Deshaun Watson is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and he is saddled with clearly one of the worst coaches in modern NFL history with Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien has been and remains one of the least prepared coaches in the NFL. I cannot be any clearer than that, which is why I'm speaking over the intercom system, because that is how little I regard Bill O'Brien's coaching acumen. All right, enough with that. But seriously, folks, the Houston Texans, notorious for starting out awfully slow. Uh, The line's uh, two and a half for the Texans which tells you that even though the Texans are at home, you should be at least a three-point favorite. That tells you how little even Vegas uh, regards the Texans. Uh, You know, I don't like this line because 
you know, as much as I dislike Bill O'Brien, I'm not a big fan of Josh Allen as the Bills QB. I still think he has a ton of flaws. Uh, you know, if I have my dad with me to, to discuss the game, uh, he likes uh, Josh Allen. To me, Josh Allen is a couple of bad decisions away from being Blake Bortles. And he's improved on his decision-making this season. So, yes, I, I will give him the benefit of the doubt that uh, he has had better decision-making. And actually, I no, no, I, you know, I'm not going to take back the Blake Bortles comparison because uh, part of the issue is that Blake Bortles could throw a decent deep ball but had little to no idea how to throw intermediary routes. And I still have big question marks about Josh Allen in terms of if I need a quarterback to finish off a game and just make some touch passes, I have no idea if Josh Allen can actually do that on the, and when it comes to playoff uh, football, I, I got to have some level of consistency to trust a QB. If I'm going to back them, uh, it, it, it just is too hard to win NFL playoff games when you can't trust the quarterback under center. So for that reason, I'm going to take the Texans to win and I'll, uh, man, I'll lay the points. Uh, (laughs) like realistically, I do not trust. I don't trust Bill O'Brien. If, if I was down to my last $10, but, um, Here's the thing. I think just Deshaun Watson, as he has throughout his entire career, will carry Bill O'Brien as far as he can take him. Uh, now, I just don't think the Bills are that uh, high of a hurdle to uh, uh, to clear. But I will say, though, that I, like, realistically, I wouldn't bet uh, the overall game. But the uh, the the lines that I would bet would be, Bills win the first quarter. That's only uh, that's only plus uh, that's essentially a pick 'em because it, it's just uh, the Bills just have have to have one more point to the Texans. I, I uh, or if they're tied uh, because the Bills are a half point uh, underdog. Uh, as long as it's tied, you'll win the bet. I would take the Bills first quarter, and I probably take the Bills uh, for the first half uh, plus one. Reason being, Texans are notorious slow starters. I have zero confidence that Bill O'Brien will have his team ready to go. Again, this is just a play on my like my ongoing befuddlement at how Bill O'Brien isn't on a coaching hot seat, given the amount of talent he has wasted over the years uh, with uh, Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins's entire NFL career. Uh, just uh, it's unbelievable. Um, anyway, let's move on to the nightcap uh, Saturday night. Uh, we've got the Pats, and, you know, it's it's a shocking development that the Pats are hosting a game in Foxborough, and they're not coming off the bye week. Uh, the Pats are playing on wildcard weekend for the first time in 10 years, and, you know, everyone's uh, in panic mode because of uh, the Patriots' offense, uh, offensive struggles, and the fact that they somehow lost to the Dolphins, which, again, one of the biggest upsets uh, 
in the NFL this year, but in a year where there have been a ton of upsets, you know, I guess we shouldn't be surprised at this point, uh, given the the huge variant swings uh, from one week to the next with some of these teams. Uh, so here, but here's the bottom line. Pats are uh, five point favorites over the, uh, the Titans. My problem with taking Tennessee and it's a popular trendy pick this week. My problem with taking the pick is the fact that Tennessee has one avenue for victory. The defense have to, uh, defense has to bottle up the Pats, which shouldn't be that difficult, but they also have to be able to win uh, the field position battle because the only way I see the Tennessee winning this game is if Derrick Henry can run for a buck 50 and get two touchdowns. I do not see Ryan Tannehill being able to make a ton of pass plays for the Titans. And to be honest, I don't think they should rely on Ryan Tannehill to be making game, uh, making plays in the passing game because I, I think that you're playing more to the uh, Pats' uh, strength in the secondary uh, that they, they will be able to uh, find ways of turning the ball over from the Titans' wide receivers. I think you have to ride Derrick Henry. I think it's going to be a slow, methodical game to do so, but I do think that the Pats are going to do whatever they can to stop Derrick Henry. Now, the question is, uh, you know, can Taylor Lewan, the Titans' uh, uh, <laughs> like beast of a left tackle, just dominate the game? And can Con- uh, Conklin uh, should be available on the right uh, as the right tackle? That's probably the best tackle pairing in the entire league, to be honest. And of course, the Giants missed out on drafting both players because you know. That's what the Giants do. Anyway, I, I'm I'm gonna try to avoid talking about the Giants. Yeah, I get depressed. Um. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you know that that's really what it comes down to. This is gonna be a a game one in the trenches. I'm still gonna give the nod to the Patriots because I, you know, I'm not gonna count out uh, Tom Brady completely because I still think he can make some plays. Uh, I do think they're going to get some points. I do think this is going to be a tight game, though. So here, here's the problem. Minus five with the way the Patriots offense is running right now is a difficult pill to swallow. I'm going to do so, but to me, this is a game that, you know, if I didn't have to bet on it, I would take a pass on it. I, I would take Pat's money line, but... In terms of the points, I'm, you know, minus five, I, I would probably throw the Pats into a teaser. Uh, it'd take the Pats money line or just put them into a teaser to lower the point spread. Uh, but I, I'm I'm not I'm not that gung-ho uh, about it. And I'm not, <laughs> like, again, uh, the, what worries me about the Titans is that it's going to be a one-trick pony uh, type of deal. So that's why I'm not very confident backing them either. Uh, but, uh, you know, it should be a tight game throughout. So, uh, you'll, you'll at least get a competitive football game Saturday night, uh, after watching Bill O'Brien sabotage his own team, uh, as the Texans meander in the, uh, in the afternoon slate. Moving on to Sunday's games and the first game, I think folks are vastly, uh, you know, 
underestimating here. Uh, you know, the Minnesota Vikings, you know, as much as, uh, you know, I can criticize Kirk Cousins for his inability to show up in critical spots, you, you know, I, I, you know, Kirk struggles mightily with uh, the big time performances. I, I there, you know, it, it's it's a running joke at this point with uh, Cousins when he's actually going to uh, put on a big performance. And you know, again, this is not the spot you would really want to be interested in playing Kirk Cousins. Uh, or back in the Vikings. But here's the thing. I, you know, I said it from the outset this year, you know, Drew Brees was one of my bus candidates in terms of fantasy quarterbacks because I'm still not convinced that Drew Brees isn't, isn't basically done as an elite NFL QB. So my concern with the Saints stems from the fact that we saw this Saints team as much as people want to complain about uh, uh, the pass interference called that wasn't called against the Rams. Drew Brees was awful in that game against the Rams. You know, and truth be told, the Vikings have an incredibly banged up secondary. So maybe the Vikings can't uh, shut down Michael Thomas. Actually, you know, I should say maybe they can't shut down. They will not shut down Michael Thomas. Let's be perfectly honest. Uh, Michael Thomas, uh, from a catch radius standpoint, makes 150% more catches than he actually should from passes Drew Brees has thrown to him. He has single-handedly elevated Drew Brees' uh, passing stats, despite his injury, uh, thumb injury earlier this year, to uh, uh, to heights that... People still think Drew Brees is an elite uh, NFL QB. I don't. Uh, I think that there's a very real possibility Drew Brees could struggle and that Michael Thomas is going to have to carry this entire team. So if you're telling me I have to take the Saints uh, as a touchdown favorite, I mean, yeah, I could do it because uh, I think Kirk Cousins could very easily throw a pick six or fumble the ball uh, for a defensive score. It wouldn't shock me at all. The problem is I don't have great confidence in the Saints offense because I have big question marks about Drew Brees. And I know in the middle of the Vikings defense, Linval Joseph can clog up the middle for the Saints rushing attack. Uh, and without uh, the Saints having Mark Ingram, yes, Latavius Murray had a very nice season this year and to be honest, they needed a, a nice season from Latavius Murray because Alvin Kamara has been, for lack of a better term, hot garbage uh, as t- as uh, one of the top uh, uh, top uh, ranked uh, fantasy running backs this year. Uh, he's been underwhelming in the running game and almost as underwhelming in the passing game. Uh, you know, I don't know what injury he may be harboring, but uh, I think the Vikings defense bottles up Kamara. And this just becomes the Michael Thomas show against the Vikings defense. I will still back Michael Thomas, but I have trepidation with uh, the Saints as a whole. Because if you're telling me I got to take them as a touchdown favorite or more, 
yeah, I'll, I'll bet on the Saints, but I don't like the pick. I'll, uh, I am definitely picking the Saints to win, but I, I think this game is closer uh, than people realize uh, because I don't think the Saints are as good as people think they are, even though they're thirteen to three. I, I, again, I feel as though uh, the Saints are one of those teams that can get picked off in the right spot. I don't think this is the spot. I think if they had played Green Bay as much as I think Green Bay is not a very good team this year, I think that that's one of those games where uh, playing outdoors, the Saints uh, would get picked off. Of course, uh, this would be if they beat the Vikings and move on. Uh, but, you know, I, I just, I, 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 it's it's one of those gut things where I don't really like the Saints team where they're trying to, because I didn't, it felt like they were going through the motions, and yes, they they put on a bunch of points against Carolina because Carolina wasn't care. To me, the Saints are a team that has felt like they've been on autopilot, and now they're going to turn it on for the playoffs, and it doesn't always work out that way. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it, it's one of those games where I don't have I don't have the warm and fuzzies, if you will about the Saints uh, this year as I did last year. Uh, the Saints were, uh, you know, they should have been in the Super Bowl last year. They probably beat the Pats in the Super Bowl last year, even uh, even with some of the issues uh, that Drew Brees has had lately, not being able to uh, complete passes. Uh, and again, my issue with Drew Brees is, as his physical skills have waned, He's had a tougher and tougher time getting the ball out of his hands and down the field and has just checked it down to Michael Thomas. Sooner or later, someone's going to figure out a way of slowing down Michael Thomas, and then I'm really worried about the Saints offense. I just can't see it being a banged-up bike secondary that wasn't even in the middle of the pack of the NFL this year. They were one of the worst-rated offense, I mean, worst-rated defensive units in the entire league from a secondary standpoint uh, uh, this year. So, uh, again, I'll take the Saints. I don't like the pick. I don't like laying points as a touchdown dog. I mean, a a touchdown favorite, but, uh, yeah, I'll take Saints. Moving on to our final game of the weekend, and, I man, talk about two teams I don't like. (laughs) We got the Eagles hosting the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, The Eagles are essentially a one-point favorite over Seattle, who has been the trendy pick of the week. The Seahawks have played so many tight games this year. 10 of their 11 wins have been by less than one score. Russell Wilson has been amazing. Uh, The Seattle's defense is not very good. Uh, They've, you know... They're below average in about every area. Uh, the days of Legion Doom have uh, Legion of Boom have uh, come and gone, and they've gone downhill uh, uh, by the wayside. Uh, realistically, if Jadavian Clowney, whom the Seahawks traded for from the Texans, and yet another br- brilliant move by Bill O'Brien. Uh, uh, did I mention Bill O'Brien's a terrible head coach? I, I may have mentioned that uh, uh, before, but he may be an even worse GM. Uh, but be that as it may, uh, 
I, I just look at the Seahawks team as one where, you know, unless they're playing the 49ers, whom they just seem to match up perfectly against uh, to what the 49ers want to do, uh, I, I, I'm just not a, I'm not a fan of the Seahawks team. Uh, Russell Wilson should still be considered the NFL MVP as much as people want to talk about Lamar Jackson, and I love Lamar Jackson. The fact that Rusk has gotten this team this far, I, I, I just kind of scratch my head. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm trying to see how the Seahawks got as many wins as they did looking back at some of their games because all they do is win ugly games. And I expect this to be another ugly game uh, against an Eagles team that has basically gone down to their practice squad players uh, across all skill positions because... The Eagles have no starting wide receivers. Zach Ertz has a broken rib and a lacerated kidney and is doubtful to actually play. Uh, maybe he plays, but it's a lacerated kidney, folks. I, I, I can't see Zach Ertz playing uh, that effectively, so it, I think it's going to be the Dallas Goddard show uh, for the Eagles as their most legitimate uh, uh, threat in the offense. and. You know, maybe Miles Sanders is good to go with his ankle. Maybe not. Like, the Eagles have so many question marks. There's no way I can actually take the Eagles. As much as I have question marks about the Seattle the Seattle team, Philly, I know I know that I don't trust them at all. So I, there's no way I can back Philly at all. Uh, you know, it's Carson Wentz, uh, Wentz's uh, first uh, playoff game. And he's got a lot to prove to the Philly fans. I, I I mean, I just think he's in a tough spot. Point blank. I, I think he's in a no-win situation. He's done as bad as much as he can with this group. Uh, I just think they've got way too many injuries. There's no way I'm taking uh, the Eagles here. Even though Seattle is turning to Marshawn Lynch uh, a year and a half out of retirement. Uh, and throw him back into the league uh, as essentially their primary uh, uh, running back. I, th- this, to me, is the ugliest game of the weekend, and uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, man, it will be a tight game. It will be a tight game. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I, I think it would still be a single-score game, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. I would be shocked. If either team runs away with this one, I'm going to give the nod to Seattle. But man, I don't like either one of these teams. I think uh, by the end of the uh, the way it will shape up is uh, essentially you're 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 going to see uh, Seattle play San Francisco. I like I said, I think the Saints uh, get past uh, uh, Minnesota, so. You're going to see a Seattle-San Francisco matchup again, and they play them tight. Uh, So it's the one matchup uh, that I can see how Seattle gets the NFC uh, uh, title game is because they match up against uh, San Francisco so well. And I, I, as I said, I'm I'm not enamored. uh, You know, from where the NFC started uh, to where things wrapped up, I now see the AFC as the favorite of winning the Super Bowl this year. And if you told me this about seven weeks ago, I 
I would have laughed at you saying you got to be cr- crazy to pick the AFC over the NFC, given how uh, strong the NFC looked this year. But man, some of these teams have kind of sputtered. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's all I've got for now. Uh, uh, let's see how these games uh, pan out. But uh, until next time, folks, have a good one and uh, uh, enjoy the games.